Hello, everybody. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And we're the Old Dogs. If you've got about 20 minutes, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the Old Dogs ramble about the excitement of going to Blockbuster. We then turn to mourning the last Blockbuster on Earth. We'll give you a peek at Naked Yoga. We'll give our take on some of the world's least needed inventions. We'll tell you a cautionary tale about what happens when you devote your day to online gaming. And we'll tell you a sweet story with a happy ending. Our interview is with Tom Bartell and Kristen Henning Bartell, a couple now pushing 70 who have given up the comforts of home for the excitement of living on the road. So, Paul, what's on your mind today? Okay. Our first pod nugget today deals with a Blockbuster. Right. Uh, actually, the last Blockbuster standing. Yeah. And that started me thinking about that change from going to a video store mm-hmm. to pick up a movie. Yeah. I don't know. Do you remember back? It was probably the, the early 80s when uh, the video stores started right. propagating themselves. Right. It was amazing. We could actually rent a movie, a first-run movie, and go home and watch it whenever we wanted to, as often as we wanted to. That was phenomenal. It was revolutionary. That was a big change in viewing habits. Yeah. And at that time, when they first came out, there were competing formats. There was VHS oh, and, yeah, yeah. and beta. Uh-huh. And so in a video store, you would have two sections, right. VHS, beta. Um, I guess some people thought the beta format was superior uh, to VHS. And, and I guess people that knew were right about that. It was superior. But they made the mistake of only allowing... Uh, you to tape one hour on a beta mm-hmm. tape, yeah. Whereas VHS allowed you two hours, and so the VHS format uh, sort of took over from beta. Yeah, but that changed as well, and uh, we we got involved in more formats. DVD came out, and we started seeing uh, how much better the DVD was, and so we had to get a DVD player, of course, for our home. And, and, and a little side trip there, you know. Uh, I remember at Blockbuster, they were dumping all their VHS tapes yeah. for like a buck a pop. Yeah. And I had the bright idea, because there'll be collector's items someday, to buy a whole bunch of these VHS tapes. Eh, wrong. And, <laughs> correct. You are correct. <laughs> I was wrong. And they ended up at a garage sale, these huge vats of VHS tapes, and people wouldn't even sniff at them. You know, I ended up throwing a bunch of them away because they just had no value. Yeah. So now you've got DVDs and you've got Blu-ray. Right. Right. And uh, in addition to that, what you can find online now is phenomenal. You can get almost anything streamed if you pay for it. You can pay by subscription or by the actual purchase. You never have to leave your home. Again. <laughs> right. Uh, now, the only thing missing there is the candy that you used to be able to pick up at Blockbuster or at checkout. You can have it delivered by Amazon. There you go. <laughs> So you can buy your movie on Amazon Prime, and then you can have Whole Foods delivered to your home. Right. And you could probably hire somebody to eat it for you if you <laughs> if you wanted, if you were on a diet or something like that. And they that. probably, Amazon has that service, too. We Absolutely. will eat your food for you. They'll fly them in. Well, Paul, of course you remember those good old days when you used to go to Blockbuster every week and rent a new movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, those days are gone, aren't they? Uh Uh-huh. The chain was done in. 
by the success of Netflix. Except in Bend, Oregon. This item comes to us from the Houston Chronicle for March 19th, 2019. The last blockbuster in America is thriving in Bend, Oregon. As blockbusters were closing, the Bend store was squeaking by with no money for renovation, and this turned out to be the key to profitability. The store retained the look and feel of a blockbuster from the past, with fluorescent lighting, metal racks, and those old yellow and blue ticket stub signs. Oh, yeah. Well, this lone survivor has become a tourist attraction. People are stopping by for pictures and souvenirs that proclaim the last blockbuster in America. Regular customers have also continued to drop by, only now they are dragging along their kids to experience walking the aisles at a blockbuster. Now, the downside is that their technology is also decades old. Their computer has to be rebooted by floppy disks. Remember those? <laughs> no kidding. And their only dot matrix printer broke, so membership cards are written out by hand now. You could call it low-tech high touch, I guess. <laughs> and it looks like the store will be open for a while. They have several years left on their lease, as long as they continue to pay the Dish Network for the right to use the Blockbuster logo. Now, Paul, does anybody see the irony in that statement? That the Dish Network owns the Blockbuster logo? <laughs> and why did they retain it? That's really? what I well, want What was know. the thinking there? All right, are you ready for naked yoga? I think I am. Well, this may be largely a California fad, but get prepared for fusion yoga. This is yoga fused with other practices somewhere out in left field or maybe out of the ballpark altogether. This item is from the Washington Post dated March 31st, 2017. This fad is probably fueled by wanting to stand out from the thousands of other yoga schools. But here are some examples of perhaps going too far. How about ganja yoga? When these folks deep breathe, they are inhaling marijuana. If you like beer with your yoga, there is a class for that. Clothes are optional for bold and naked yoga. For those in the great north, you have snoga. Snoga. Yoga with snowshoes. If yoga seems too sedate, there's hip-hop yoga. Yoga with karaoke, and there's even tantrum yoga, I guess for people with anger issues. And if you want your pets to share the bliss, there's yoga with horses, dogs, bunnies, cats, and goats. Yeah, I'd like to see my dog sit still for a moment. The vast array of classes reflects a huge industry. There are almost 40 million practitioners of yoga. Nearly three-fourths are women. Some people suggest the fusion yoga fad is an attempt to involve more men. Well, if that's the case, maybe the next step is toga yoga. Our loyal listeners know that we are always willing to feature something to save you money. Absolutely. In this case, you can save hundreds of dollars by not buying what we're featuring here. These are some unrecommendations for dubious inventions that were featured in the February 2019 issue of Good Company. The first is a set of office blinders by Wearspace that help you block out distractions in busy offices. The device is similar to horse blinders and blocks out the user's horizontal field of vision by 60%. It's made of a curved strip of flexible material and has a pair of noise-canceling headphones on the inside. The device is currently being crowdfunded, so no price has been established. Thank goodness. Next are air-conditioned shoes from Hydrotech. Their slogan is, 
My energy saving starts from my feet. The shoes will keep your feet dry and aired out with what appear to be a series of small fans built into the soles. Oh, that's too much. <laughs> Their website boasts of a new filter technology that releases the heat and humidity and allows air to flow around your feet, keeping them refreshed and clean. The price is about 80 bucks. Finally, the ostrich pillow looks like a big <laughs> oven mitt or maybe a padded toaster cover, and it fits over your head with openings for your mouth and ears. They call it the ultimate immersive pillow. They go on to proclaim that you can use it for a power nap at your desk, lounging at home, traveling, or wherever you might be without moving an inch. Just <laughs> slip it on and you're off to dreamland. Now, they fail to mention that wearing it makes you look like an extraterrestrial from a cheap 50s <laughs> sci-fi movie. The cost on this one's about 95 bucks. Okay. So this completes our Do Not Buy recommendations for this episode. Feel free to contribute your own. We'll bring you more in the future. This is a cautionary tale about spending a lot of time playing games online that appeared in the Washington Post for April 2nd, 2019. Griffin Spikoski is a young man that spends up to 18 hours a day playing a game called Fortnite. Now, he convinced his parents to let him go to school online to accommodate the hours he spent in front of his computer. So is this a young adult condemned to spend the rest of his life on a couch in his parents' basement playing video games? Uh, hardly. Griffin earned nearly $200,000 last year. Whoa. He has his own YouTube channel with 1.2 million subscribers. He has a financial advisor and an accountant, and he's only 14 years old. Unbelievable. So, what is the caution in this cautionary tale? We shouldn't be so quick to judge young people who spend a lot of time playing games online. They could be working on their career. And by the way, it is not called online gaming anymore. It is eSports. I wonder how you get in shape for eSports. Yeah, we're way too old for that. Yeah. Our next item comes from the Houston Chronicle of March 13th, 2019. Satherwith Bai is a Cambodian immigrant who came to America in 1981. After saving for many years, he and his wife opened a donut shop named Billy's Donuts after their young son. The shop was successful for 24 years, but a run of bad health forced them to sell their shop. This year, they opened a new donut shop, once more called Billy's Donuts. But business was so slow, they thought they would have to close. Thanks to social media, their son Billy saved the day. He tweeted this message. My dad is sad because no one's coming to his new donut shop. He included a picture of his dad next to piles of unsold donuts. Well, the tweet was retweeted 330,000 times. The result was lines of customers out the front door and a mention on the Today Show. The first customers included a group of Twitter employees who were in Austin, Texas, on business. They drove for two hours to reach the shop and buy out the remaining donuts. Now that is a happy ending to a sweet story. Tom Bartell and Kristen Henning Bartell think of themselves as nomads. In 2010, they decided to give up their house, their mortgage, their cars, and most of their possessions to go off and see the world. 
Much of their experience has been documented in their blog, Travel Past 50, which they started in 2013. Neither of them expected to be traveling the world this long, but they are driven by curiosity, and the list of places they'd like to explore continues to grow. So uh, give us an idea of what your life was like for the first 30 years. Now, you could do it in real time, or <laughs> probably highlights would be better. Well, um, we founded the alternative newspaper in the Twin Cities called City Pages in 1979, and uh, we ended up selling it to the Village Voice in 1997. After that, we kind of semi-retired. Uh, we did a little bit of traveling. We both taught journalism at the University of Minnesota. And then we got the bug again and started another magazine called The Rake. And that went for seven years. And then the economic crisis hit at the same time that the internet hit the publishing business. And that just sort of ended. So that brings us to 2008. And after that, uh, we kind of sat around trying to be in the internet publishing business. Then that went to hell, too, because Google. And uh, then we said, well, we should just give up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> so we started traveling then uh, full time in 2010. We sold our house our big old house in South Minneapolis, and uh, moved to South America for a year. After that, we just sort of became nomadic. It really timed, too, with the fact that that was uh, our, our younger of our two kids had just graduated from college, and we had no employees. So suddenly we were, uh, it was like we were in our 20s again. We were, didn't have to be responsible for anybody else. Yeah. My father once told me that the happiest day in his life was the day the last child left and the dog died. <laughs> that was uh, kind of the situation we were in. We didn't kill the dog, but we did give him away to uh, our daughter, and we just left. You know, this was a big decision that you made in 2010. Take us through that. You know, when we sold city pages i tried to talk chris into leaving the united states then and moving to either italy or spain and at that time our children were both teenagers and she wasn't about to let me drag the kids halfway across the world so uh it was postponed and then when uh, the kids were out of the house that was a good time for us to leave and I actually took a course to certify me to teach English. I started out doing that very briefly in Ecuador. Uh, got tired of that real quick. So we just sort of started traveling. A couple of years after we started, we started this blog, uh, Travel Past 50. And we've been traveling ever since. You know, this is probably something that a lot of people daydream about, but it's got to be kind of scary when you weren't sure how it was going to work out, right? Well, that's true, but I mean, same with starting a business. Um, you, you just uh, kind of go at it blindly and hope for the best and figure it out as you go. I mean, the, the sort of the strange thing when we uh, first put our house on the market was the diverse reactions we got from friends. Either our friends were horrified that we would, sell our house, or they were, as you say, oh, I've always wanted to do that. 
uh, it really fell into two camps, and it still does. People either look at us like we are start raving mad, or they are imagining themselves in the same situation. And there are a lot of ways to go about it. I mean, we kind of cut the cord quickly because that's the way we had to do it, and it's the way we could afford to do it too. I mean, we, you know, when you sell a house and all your belongings, and you don't have any cars, you don't have any property tax or insurance or all of this other payments. So it's really how we paid for our travels uh, at the onset. Now, when we were in Ecuador, we had a very small but very nice apartment in a nice old 16th century building in the middle of downtown Quito. And our rent was $200 a month. You know, we know plenty of people who live in Chiang Mai, Thailand, or Honduras, or somewhere else, and their rent is in that sort of range. And so if you can buy a nice restaurant meal for $3, and you can live in a $200 a month apartment, you can afford this, even if you have very little income. It's, but it's a lifestyle choice. You, you can't live like you live in the United States. So what do you give up when you become semi-nomadic? What do you give up that you don't mind giving up? And what do you give up that you do mind giving up? Well, it is a combination. I think being totally nomadic without a home base was somewhat difficult and somewhat liberating. I mean, it, it certainly means you can't um, have the gang over for dinner. Like, we literally had to stay with relatives, <laughs> Tom's mother in Iowa, uh, for the first six years when we didn't have no home base. On the flip side, I don't think we could have done that 20 years ago, but in this day and age, being able to stay in touch with our family through video calls and through texting and all of that, it just has made a world of difference. And it's also made a big difference that as the more we travel, the more people we meet, the more friends we have all over the world. And our friends and associates will find out maybe from Facebook or something where we are and hook us up with new people or mention that they're going to be there at the same time. So it's a really exciting new network of people. So as much as you miss the people that you leave, you are um, building new friendships mm -hmm. along the way. That I would say is the benefit. I mean, we walked the Camino de Santiago in 2011, our first year of being really nomadic. And we made lifelong friends doing that in Ireland, Italy, Netherlands, Korea. And we've seen all of those people since then and have been able to stay with them and have dinner with them. And, you know, it's mind expanding. All right. Here's a practical question. You two spend a lot of time together, right? <laughs> How do you handle that? Yeah, it is a delicate matter. And, and the fact of the matter, too, is that we've worked together our entire married lives as well. I mean, we literally decided on our honeymoon that we would quit our jobs and start traveling together. And then we quit traveling to come back and start a business together. So uh, the, the two have gone hand in hand. Over the years, we have developed, uh, I think, a healthy, sometimes maybe excessive sense of privacy, you know, between ourselves. So uh, headphones are a blessing. <laughs> yesterday we were both working all day in the apartment and i don't think we exchanged more than uh, 10 words all day it was so that's that's how we keep it friendly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i see you ignore each other right 
So here's a challenging question. What is the most exciting, amazing experience you've had in your travels so far? Well, I don't know. Getting shot at in Barcelona <laughs> was kind of... <laughs> Good. Oh yeah. my gosh, there's so many. A lot of them are in Spain. I mean, walking the Camino de Santiago was was just wonderful because we did it. Um, you know, that's 500 miles. But mm-hmm. also, I think in Spain of the being there during the Semana Santa, the Holy Week in Sevilla, which is a very you know solemn processions from every church during the day, and then it is complete party drinking a lot of sherry and eating olives by night. And, you know, what could be better? Yeah, Tom, for the benefit of our listeners, you want to give us that website address again? It's travelpast5050innumerals.com. And a good way to break into it is to subscribe to our newsletter, our semi-regular email newsletter, which is travelpast50.com slash newsletter. And that'll take you to a form where you can sign up and you'll get the best of the blog and the best of our travel tips emailed to you, like I said, on a semi-regular basis. Yeah, a couple times a month. Yeah. Isn't it about time for Travel Pass 60? Yeah, it's almost time for travel getting close to 70. I know. I'm uh, looking for tips like uh, hiking with hip replacements. Uh, I actually bought a T-shirt in Yosemite a couple of years ago that says, you don't stop hiking when you get old. You get old when you stop hiking. Well, it looks like we made it through another episode. If you enjoyed it, let us know. Or if you know somebody who'd be fun to interview, tell us about them. You can reach us at our website, olddogspodcast.com. And hey, keep on howling at the moon.